0: We need water. So good morning, New Life Fellowship. Are you good? I'm very excited to be here. I'm a little bit excited in general. So then when I speak, I can become a little animated. So I may be all over. That's why I needed, the, needed my hands. That's okay, right? I mean, it's good to be a little energetic. So I'm going to move around. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Thank you, Pam. They took me into their home last night, had such a great time. I could leave now and had a great time in Pittsburgh. That's pretty cool, right? I could leave now and say had a great trip to Pittsburgh. And we're just getting started. So thank you for the invitation uh, to come through our connection with the trip. Uh, I'm very excited to see some of the folks, Tina and Tammy. And uh, I'm going to meet Chris Del Santo a little bit later today. So very grateful for new connections. And I'm also grateful, I don't know who was behind... A little gold bag, or I should say a, a big gold bag that was given to me. Are there any hands here that were involved in that little situation? Well, we'll tell her thank you later. So there was inside there, apparently I'm getting initiated into the Pittsburgh culture. Yeah, right? So I got my little, and who wants to tell me what this means? What does this mean? Oh, am I supposed to be a Pittsburgh fan if I do this? Oh, I'll do like this. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm a little out of touch with the recent football like situation, so I'm not not really sure who's who, but I will keep this. And I've already been advised by the pastor in a joking way, but he was serious. That this should not be used to like clean up the floor or things like that, you know Maybe I'll swat some flies in the village. I don't know, but I will not kill them I will not kill them. I will only swat them So I had so many goodies. I think that was the most amazing goodie bag I've ever seen whoever put that together um, Is a bit like me I would say maybe she's spontaneous because it looked like she had another idea and then another idea and then another idea So if you're spontaneous anybody here have a spontaneous personality Okay, let me introduce you to my new friend, the clipboard. I mean, the, the whiteboard. Seriously, I just discovered how helpful a whiteboard is to me. If you're spontaneous and you're changing ideas all the time, just, you just write it, then you take your picture, and then you just erase it and keep going. And so I've been using these. I've been using a whiteboard. I'm not kidding. He said it, real, 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 we are real people, so I'm giving you a little window into how real I am. My brain is always... So I said, let me use my whiteboard. So that's my notes right now. So what am I doing? I'm in Tanzania. Those are some faces that I get to see. In Tanzania, if you go to the next slide, is in East Africa. It's below Kenya and above Mozambique. Now, if you realize, that's a long way from here. I'm a, I am single. I've never been married. I don't have a team. I did have a team for two years so, I've been there eight years. I had a team for two years, and I haven't had a team for six years. So, it's kind of interesting doing what I'm doing alone, really, except with the Lord's help and African help. So, what am I doing? If you go to the next, well, that shows you. I'm doing evangelism and training. Now, there's a word called unreached people. What does unreached mean? What do you think of when you think of unreached? Those who don't know the Lord. People that don't know the Lord. Are there people like that in America? Yeah. Are they unreached? Okay, now I need some more qualifiers, because I'm talking about different people than what we have in America, people that don't have New Life Fellowship. What's another word that would come to mind if you think unreached? Never heard gospel? gospel? They live too far away, too hard to get to, roads are too bumpy, too dusty, anything else? Secluded? Secluded? Mm-hmm. I like the participation, so I like that we, have, we can do that. Thank you for participating. That is what they are. Now, we say this word in missions, unreached people, and one of my own friends said, I lived with her for three years, she said, you used to always talk about unreached people. I had no idea what you were talking about. And yet she was in a strong missions church that talked about unreached people all the time. So I don't want to take for granted that this term means anything to you. I'll give you. I'll make it a little more real. When I, before I moved to Tanzania, I took a trip to pray, and I called there on and uh, on two two years in a row in 2004 and 2005 during those times i talked to a maasai man and maasai is a very traditional tribe in africa very well known and uh they do have the gospel but there's many unreached and i asked him what do you know about jesus and he said to me is he from the village two miles to the east in Gikaret? he's tall he's uh, doudy's young brother said no that's not who i'm talking about so that to me is an unreached person they don't even know who jesus is at all they think you're talking about a human being so if you say why am i doing this thing why am i going to those kinds of people i could be in the city teaching english i could be running an orphanage in the city you know i could be just helping someone else Uh, there's a million things i could do food distribution the needs are great in africa but I'm not there for any of that, as good as it is. I'm really there for one reason. I'm there to eliminate unreached people groups. So I do have a clear vision. Now, it's a little bit laughable. What's some single white female? I don't even have the gift of evangelism. So I'm going to give you all the reasons why what I can't do, I mean, what I'm doing can't work. That way you can give me no reason for why what you want to do cannot, cannot work, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just disempower all your arguments about what you want to do for your city and your church and your community and your family and your neighbors, it can work, okay? So the message is called Your Gift is Acceptable. The passage I'm going to use to convince you, and you will be convinced, is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10 through 12. If you want to turn there. The first time I read this, it, was, it became memorized. I don't know how that happens because it's a little bit long. But that just shows the Holy Spirit was speaking that to me. So Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10 through 12. I'll give you the background. I was a software developer. I did an undergraduate, master's degree in software development. I worked for many years writing programs for the Navy to control their antennas and radars for the Navy. So a little bit different than what I'm doing now. When I went to master's school, I went to Clemson, and I left my Christian bubble. I was raised in a Christian home, Christian church, Christian friends, and Pentecostal Church of God, where I was told everything else is wrong, but I didn't know what those things were, and we should convince people to become like us. But I didn't really have friends that were different than me, except people that knew everything I did and just didn't want it. And I thought, well, why convince them? They're already making their choices. So... I go to Clemson, I meet Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, witches, atheists, and I don't only meet them, I become friends with them. So now I'm friends with Priti from Insurimi and Anavas and Anand and all my Indian friends, Muslim friends. And I'm basically, for the first time at 22, I realize these people don't know who Jesus is. And from what I can gather, I've never met a missionary. I've never read a missionary book. I've never been out of the country. I don't even care to. Like, I, I'm not one of those people, at 12 years old, I had a dream. Of a, I have no history of a reason to do anything, except suddenly, at 22, I meet real people, become friends, and I realize they, they don't know who Jesus is, nor do they want to, and I don't see anything happening in their world that would ever change that. And I kind of felt like the house is burning down, and uh, we're like eating popcorn and going to movies. Now, I didn't know anything. I, I mean, I did know that I want to go do something about it, but I knew enough to know I'd know nothing, and I know no one. So I better not run to Africa or Russia. I better just get a job. So I got a job in Atlanta doing the American, I mean, uh, you know, corporate culture thing. But that's where the call started. If you say, How did you get called? To do what you're doing. It started when I was 22 and I became friends with people different than me. So maybe our call can begin when we become friends with people different than us. Maybe we resonate with something. I think there might be people in your communities different than you. Is it true? And uh, how easy is it to, to go gravitate towards the ones that we're like? Isn't it? That's the human. That's the default. So I just put that challenge out there to you. Maybe you're even saying, I'm not really sure what my call is. Well, here's just one thing just give it a try make friends with someone different than you Go to a need in your community different than your need get to know people find the story And then maybe the need starts popping out. I didn't try to be a missionary It just kind of happened by by friendship and being open to what I saw that was resonating in my heart. Does that make sense? so uh, years go by I think i'm called to be a missionary, but I know nothing. I start taking trips it gets more and more and more and more like it's burning in me. I've got to go to these people, these kinds of people that don't know, but I'm full of what? Fear? And I'm a little bit analytical. I like to think through things. Any processors here? My fellow processors? Yeah, it's not a bad thing. My mom would say, I would hate to be your brain. I mean, what is that? how does that make you feel? I'm sorry you're thinking so much about that. And so people, they come at you as if your processing is a negative, as if it's a constraint, a burden. I think God made that, but what does the devil want to do? He wants to come in there and grab hold of it and then make it a burden for you. So I think that's what happened to me. Analysis is fine. Even thinking with wisdom is fine. But when it becomes uh, something that paralyzes you, that's when the devil has has tried to get his little dirty hands in there. I think that's what happened to me. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I went at the exact right time. But I went about 15, 16 years after the call started. So all I know is that during that time, I kept pursuing and trying to convince the Lord I'm called. You know it, and I know it. So just give me the, just write it. Just, let's just put it in writing. And my first trip to missions was Russia. And I came back, I started taking Russian, I went reading Russian novels, I'm going to Georgia State taking Russian, I'm convincing everyone I'm going to Russia, and uh, I had the typical first mission trip experience, where I just came undone and reacted to it. So four years later, I go back to Russia, I'm like, here's your chance, God, I'm going to Russia, and you can tell me this is the place, and uh, he didn't do anything, I just went with my friends who were missionaries, and then I came back, I felt the Lord said nothing to me. So I'm riding around the streets of Atlanta, the the interstates, and I'm like, thanks a lot, God, for nothing. (laughs) You had your chance. You went missing. And I wasn't very happy. I mean, I'm being honest, right? Don't we talk? We actually don't talk this way exactly, but that's what we're thinking. And then when we tell the story later, that's really how our attitude is. So these are the true confessions of your. You know, missionaries are actually the least spiritual people, I think, on the planet. Because we live in the pressure cooker. People think, oh, how do you do it? I'm like, if you only knew. If you only knew, you'd be praying for me more. So he doesn't answer. And and, uh, I'm driving around saying, thanks a lot for nothing. I mean, you act like you're wanting people to give up everything. Here I am willing. Apparently it doesn't matter. I mean, it just, I'm going. And he says, hey, hello. When you're called to Russia, I can tell you that. I'm very capable. So why don't you settle down? If you ever call to Russia, I'll be sure to tell you. So I just close my mouth, and the topic has never been brought up again. So I go on my merry way. Finally, I give up the dream. I'm supporting missionaries. I'm taking trips. I'm getting involved. I'm mobilizing missions. I'm starting mission fellowships. I'm praying for nations. I say, wow, I think it's enough. God has not clarified my call. So anybody heard of letting the dream die? So dream died and i said it's really okay i have a good life after all i mean i thought this was what i was supposed to do but maybe not so dream dies and 2 years later t- january 2004 little tap on the shoulder you know how that goes anybody felt that tap you just you actually think you've got it all figured out and then he's like it's time to go to long term mission i was not happy actually i was i was things i didn't know i think i was afraid i was angry But I didn't really know that. I just knew that now's not a good time. I've already resolved all this. You had 15 years to tell me. Why are you telling me now? I mean, guys, if God can do, I can tell you this. You know how people say, if God can use me, he can use anybody. I will tell you, if God can get grace for my attitude, he can get grace for anyone's attitude. So I don't know if you've been stalling on something, if you're angry about something, if you're frustrated. Whatever your thing is, all I can tell you is no obstacle to him. Because I had as bad an attitude as a person could have who says they're seeking God with all their heart. And he just... He actually changed the topic. You know how he did with Peter? He didn't even address Peter's failure. Like he just said, do you love me? So I felt like he just changed the topic on me. He just said... Um, you know, I'm like, all these complaints. Why didn't you tell me before? I'm not ready for this. And he's just like, I'm not really asking this time. not really asking you what you think. You're called to go. And then I realized... Uh, I'm terrified. It's fine talking about being a missionary. Everyone thinks it's neat. Oh, well, look at hers. Isn't she willing to go? Bless her heart. And now I'm like, Holy Jesus. Like, he is calling me to go somewhere. And I was terrified. Now, this is where the passage comes in. So I go in 2004. I say, Lord, I'm willing to go. I, this was like after three months of tearing, ripping out my fears and insecurities. And... uh i thought i was ready all my leadership i said i'm going to go to the leadership and they're going to say oh here she comes again i think she's called to missionary you know we've heard that before i mean everything i thought none of it happened they were all like Well we're just waiting on you like everyone knows you're going um when would you like to go you know my senior pastor's like you got nothing but a green light i'll put you in front of children i'll put you in the youth i'll put you on the platform how can i just leave already you know, and so I'm like <clears throat> somebody's supposed to be telling me slow down. Nobody's telling me slow down. So I'm telling you there's a point in time if you've been waiting on something, there is a point in time when it's time to do the thing. It's no longer it's a time to contend for it or think about it or read books about it or talk to your friends, it's time to do the thing. So I'm just putting that on you because I told him last night this is not at all the message I had. This is a message of my story and I'm a witness, I'm a testimony. And you know the power of testimony, right? If I, if, I, if I say God can take someone and fulfill their destiny, it's powerful. If a second person says it, it's more powerful. If a third person, more witnesses establish the matter, right? In the courtroom, you pull up one, two, three, four to establish a matter. So I'm establishing the matter by my own testimony. This isn't a story of someone else. I can tell you that God puts calls on you, and it takes a journey to get there. There can be ups and downs, but he has destiny. And if you have that, he can push back your attitude and every obstacle and put you into that. So I feel like that is what I'm putting I'm releasing it into your heart and spirit, and I'm kind of like God, I'm not really asking permission. I'm just putting it I'm putting it on you, I'm putting it on the church body. and uh, because I know I was talking to these guys last night, there's a lot going on here. There's some properties, there's some expansion, there's vision, there's favor, there's open doors and there's a stability in this church like in the history of this church. people' have been here 28 years. And uh, longer than that, there's just a bedrock here that's a safe place where things can, can grow from. And so I just believe that the message isn't like, oh, isn't that cute? I think it's a timing, that there's things that need to be birthed out of you. And uh, let me tell you, no pastor came to me and said, I see that you should be a missionary. No, no, maybe Pastor Chris, wants, not going to come to you. My friend, I think I see you doing this, Right. It may be you in your prayer time resonating with what's in your history, coming to Pastor Chris. Oh, Pastor Chris, I think I'm seeing this. What about this for the community? What about this for ladies? What about this for youth? What about this for poor? What about this for the gangs? Now he can say, hey, I've been seeing that too. What do you think? How should we? No pastor told me what to do on the mission field. I went to the pastor. I said, I think I want to go unreached. So our vision sometimes, I think there's a misconception. That somebody is supposed to tell us what to do. And I will say the main the main lie that the de- devil used to slow me down, this is a big lie. You're supposed to know more than you do. Because I was like, well, I don't know what I'll do in the mission field. What am I supposed to tell people? All I know is that I, I'm concerned about people that don't have... I'm not even an evangelist. I'm not a man. I'm not an evangelist. I don't plant churches. I'm a software developer with just this thought. I mean... No reason for it to succeed. Are we together? So, devil can come and say, well, great, you have an idea. You're you're actually willing to tell the pastor. But you should know more. You can't go talk to him and say you have this idea. He's going to say, what's your plan? You don't have a plan. You better stay quiet, right? You better figure that thing out. He's not even going to respect you. You have an idea. Everyone has an idea. Ideas are a dime a dozen. I mean, the devil is a liar. So, maybe you put the idea out pastor can agree with it we agree what we what we agree with we empower then the idea can grow we together amen is anybody going to do this i don't care if you like it i care if you do something so lord just you keep keep bringing life on this now the passage says second corinthians chapter 8 verse 10 through 12 here i am i'm in tanzania i've already made the commitment this is my last like there's no turning back I went in 2004, God said to go back. I have no team, so I stall. I go in 2005, I stay seven weeks to get used to day-to-day life, getting on the tra- public transport, cooking without power, and I'm just trying to figure out the language and let him, let him confirm one last time. So I'm in this five-week period of my one last confirmation, and I don't know what happened. Well, I know that the fear came back up, the terror came back, because I realized... I don't know what I'm gonna do. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I mean it's great to care, but let's be pragmatic. You gotta be wise, you gotta have plans. I mean, we're in a western culture where you can be kind hearted all you want to, but you gotta have some strategies. So I'm like, I got none. I I just care about the people that don't know. So I'm telling you, just wanna cut cut off, cut off the voice, cut off the plan and, and I'm and I'm realizing that I, I, I don't know, so I'm getting mad. Now here comes anger. God, thanks a lot. Here I am in Tanzania. I've taken off seven weeks' work. You know, I might not even have my job when I go back, even though I'm supposed to. I say, I think what happened is I thought the dead were going to be raised. Like, here I am. I've shown you I'm giving everything. Now, what I said is I just want to learn a language. I want to learn to cook. I want to get on public transport. That's what I said, and I was doing all that. But what I started thinking was, oh, my gosh, if I'm going to come back here, Shouldn't I be seeing like some miracles or something? And I'm not. So I get very angry. Now I'm pacing. I've never paced before. I've never paced since. I'm actually pacing in a room by myself, angry. I say, Thanks a lot, God. Anytime you want to show up, it'll be a good time. Hello? Anybody up there? Here I am. Let's do something. And he says, Read 2 Corinthians. I said, That's, that's a great idea. Why don't I just read? I mean, attitude was from you know where i mean that's a great idea i think i'll read second corinthians so i'm reading chapter one chapter two chapter three chapter four chapter five this is wonderful Isn't that a great book chapter six chapter seven chapter eight we get to chapter eight chapter eight gets into the section where paul is telling the people a year ago you were willing to give money for these needs of people now it's a year later, you yeah, haven't given. Now, first of all, this is matching my context because I went the year before. I come home. I'm moving to Africa. Now a year later, I'm, I'm one week out of my five weeks of confirmation, and I'm just total fear and trepidation. I'm actually wanting to kind of maybe reconsider. And so the passage comes. It says, Paul says, here's my advice to you about what is best in the matter. Last year. You were not only willing to give and eager to give, but you were the first to do so. Now, complete the gift so that your willingness to do it will be matched by your completion of it. Here's the main part. For if the willingness is there, your gift is acceptable. According to your means, not according to what you don't have. Now, does anybody get the point? So God was telling me, that's the loudest he's ever spoken before or since. He was telling me, look, Gina, I know you don't know anything, but you're willing. You're willing to give. And because you're willing to give, in my opinion, as God, your gift is acceptable to me. Not according to what you don't have. I don't, I don't care that you're not a man. I don't care that you don't feel like you're a preacher. You're not really an evangelist. You don't really have a strategy. You don't really have a team. I'm not really interested in what you don't have. He says, well, I'm interested in what you do have. And what you do have is a willingness and a desire to do something about something that matters to me. And so my message to you is your gift is acceptable. And I have authority to say so, by out of my own testimony, bless you, in the name of Jesus. And so um, this is the truth of the matter. There are gifts and callings sitting in these chairs. And devils devil is trying to say, you don't know enough. And someone else is supposed to tell you all the details. And that my own life story is that's not true. Now, how can I be doing, have you even got to what I'm doing? The only way I'm doing anything what I'm doing is because I got past these barriers. Now, how am I on the field today? I'm on the field today after eight years of ups and downs and uglies and failures and some bad times because of this verse because i'm still not a man i'm still not married i still don't have a team i'm still not a preacher i'm still not an evangelist i do have some strategies i think i've gotten one thing i've gotten one thing and yet this team was a part of a very direct and aggressive strategy the team that came with pastor chris last year and thank god for that but that's the only reason i am on the field is because of this verse god is telling me people say how can you do what you do You're training Muslim men. Yeah. Why? They come to a single white female. Why do they come to your meetings? Do they like let women speak? For me, they do. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) there is no explanation, except you can say no one will take, no one will let me do my idea. Well, and I'm not saying go do anything and just be bold and courageous like the world. I'm talking about something that was in me. That happened. It was real. It was. I got a burden for people at 22 years old. I prayed it through. I went on. I did pragmatics. I did other. Like it grew. So I'm not talking about let's just go do a whimmy idea. I'm talking about there's things in you. There's needs and concerns. And mine happens to be an unreached situation. Yours can be the neighborhood children that seem to don't have a playground. They're just getting into trouble because no playground. Like it could be anything. And why do I think about those children all the time? Well, maybe because you have something you can do about it. Maybe that's why you think about them all the time. So I would just say, I want to ask you, what are you concerned about? Because my story is only something that I was concerned about through my life, through my friendships, through being involved in people's lives. So as I, you know, leave, I just want to, I'm not leaving right now, but as as I leave this place... You know, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. So what I want you to think about is what are some things, concerns that I have? And what happened for me is the concern led to clarity. You can do nothing without clarity. So I just bless you with clarity on whatever concerns you. And the clarity, what does that give you? It gives you confidence. The reason I couldn't do anything for so long, I had no confidence because I had no clarity. Now, the fear, I had to get rid of fear and obstacles. Once you get the clarity and confidence... Then you can actually do something. And I just say that takes courage. So confidence leads to courage. That's what happened to me. I got, I got confident. After Second Corinthians, I said, you know what? I'm confident. I have nothing that I need, and I'm totally confident. Only the Lord can do that, right? And then after that, it, it leads to commitment. Why am I there eight years? I still feel all those things. I don't really feel qualified. Uh, I do have joy. I love what I do. I have tons of joy, and God meets, he fills in gaps. But why am I committed after getting the clarity, the confidence, the courage? I'm committed because of all those things. The clarity and the confidence and the courage helps me stay committed to what I'm doing. And uh, along the journey, let me just put up, well, I haven't even gotten to, let's see here. You can put up the next I told those guys well this let me just tell you so what happens if you if you take god at his word Just just say you believe that your gift is acceptable And uh, i'm going to do this little illustration. I meant to bring your bag I'm going to pick out a lucky lady. So I gave a gift to pam last night and I gave a disclaimer and I said, um this is a gift I'm giving to you and you can decide if the gift belongs to you or you gift it to someone else Like I'm just giving something to you because you know when you give a lady a gift She may not like it. It was a purse. So I tried to give the disclaimer That you can re-gift it and uh, that I also re-gifted a missionary who needed help in their house She said give this china to somebody that needs it. I said well, I'll give it to myself So I took the you know, I said uh, you said somebody she meant some missionary, so I chose me as the missionary. So, uh, and I use those plates every day. So I'm going to give this gift. Let's just see. I've been looking at you the whole time. So I'm going to. What's your name? Anne. Anne. So, Anne, this is a gift from Tanzania. Oh, and, um, you. yeah, you're welcome. You can do with that whatever you would like. You can give it to someone else, uh-huh. or you can keep it for yourself. What would you like to do? I'll keep it for you. keep it for. Oh, good, good answer. Good answer. Well, you know what? When we give our gifts to Jesus, I don't think he's going to re-gift it. Right? We can do that. And we actually do that. Or we say, look what this lady gave me. You know what? I asked the team for pictures because I lost all my pictures. So I sent out the email. Please send me any pictures. Bless her heart. This one lady. I don't know what she was thinking. Her gift wasn't really acceptable. She sent me these pictures of like dirt roads like doorknobs, the back of a house. I, I thought, what am I supposed to use that picture for? And why did you think i like, what is this? You know, this is what we do when people give us things. And I've told my, I can't tell many people because, you know, the, everyone kind of knows who came. So, uh, but it was not people from your church. It was from another church. But I just thought that's the funniest thing. And she gave me a lot of them, like 20. He had to email me like ten times to give me these pictures, and I thought, I can use none of them. None of them have any meaning of any kind, you know? And so that's what our gifts to people sometimes are like. They just don't quite work. And uh, even we can re-gift them, or we can just put them up because they're coming over. Let's put that little vase there because they're coming over today. You know, that's not how your gift is to God, right? Amen? He actually can use your gift. My gift, he's probably like, I can't believe Gina wants to go, like, do this village work, but... All right. Like, I'll use it. I think I can do anything. I'm God. And so that's why my story is working. I will say I'm going to have to close soon. I think you're getting the point. I haven't even told you my stories, but let me tell you one. Within three months of getting to Tanzania, I went in February 2007. In three months later, I had a medical, my first trip, I had a medical team come from my church in Virginia Beach. We had, my mission pastor was a dermatologist. I don't know. Have you heard of Sean Foyt? Yeah. Okay. So Sean's dad. Dr. Chris Voight was a dermatologist. He was my mission pastor, and he's like a little kind of uncle papa. And he did pass away from complications with brain cancer in 2010. But this is 2007. He came with the medical team, and we went down to this remote area and we did the mission. We had like hundreds of people coming for medical service, and uh, Dr. Chris had done 50, 50 medical clinics because this was his passion, and so he was at like trip 50 or something. And he stops the medical clinic. But you can't really do that. We're, we're, we're chasing the clock to get as many people in. He stops. He says, everyone, come out here. And he brings this guy out, this Maasai man. And the Maasai, he says, you've got to hear what this guy said. This Maasai guy said, last night I had a dream. Well, he tells Dr. Chris, I want to get saved. And he says, but I've got to tell you something first. So he tells Dr. Chris the story. Dr. Chris says, you've got to hear this. He says, last night I had a dream. And he said you got to know about me. I don't believe in the Maasai religion. I pray to the unknown God because I know there's another one. I just don't know who he is. And I've prayed to that God and my children have been healed because I didn't have money. And last night in a dream, some people came to me. They said, "Tomorrow you need to go to Sinoniki, the village Sinonik." He says, "You need to go to Sinonik village because there's some people there. They're the ones who are going to tell you who's that, aren't you God you're praying to?" So he comes, happens to get in Doctor Chris's clinic. This is what Doctor Chris lives for. He was coming undone, and so he tells the guy the story, and then Doctor Chris leads him to the Lord, and uh, and there he was with his two children. And so, in in just a three months' time, I'm having this crazy story happen, and I want to say to you again, out of my own, out of the power of my own testimony, when you go into this thing, whatever it is, I would say. Let me put it like uh, the, the, the destiny is waiting on you there there's something waiting on you there you don't have to figure out how do i get results uh dr chris says to me when he comes in from Nairobi, do you have any concerns you know this is my first trip i'm really terrified it's a pretty logistical thing to set up i said dr chris i'm terrified nobody's going to come to the clinic like i don't he burst into laughter he's like gina there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of people these things spread like wildfire he was correct and so I was terrified no one's coming. And then, and then I have this guy come. And what I find is whatever we want to do in, your, in our families, in our communities, in our church, the calls that you have that are outside preaching, teaching, you know, children's ministry, there's many other calls, there's someone waiting on you. There's someone that needs you. There's, there's someone that will be waiting to say, this is what I needed. This is what I was waiting on. And, and so really when you don't do your call, it's pretty selfish. And I, but we make our call so much about us what 's my calling? And, and you tell everyone about your process of hearing God and your calling and so about you and it 's really not about us like i 'm not there so that Gina can fulfill her calling i 'm actually there because someone else needs to know the one true God, and they they 're waiting on someone to come, and you can you can try to say well that 's unreached mission it 's not someone is still waiting on you to do something it 's just a different context. Amen. So I just want to, uh, I got to close. It's time, it's time to go. So let me close with, uh, with, the pa- with the passage. Now, on the journey, you can be all committed and clarity and comm- you know, courage and commitment and all that. You can have the man-, man telling you, I had a dream. But then the day comes when you're like, I still don't know, right? So when I go to the doctoral program, I say, I don't know. Am I a missionary? Am I a student? Which one am I? am I? Is this even legitimate? Can I even call myself? I'm coming home all the time to go to school. And I was really confused. Maybe God's asking me to do something different. And and, um, and two years before that, my first trip to the Sonjo, my very first trip to the Sonjo, it was my first trip without my team. My team left after two years. My first trip without my team, and I'm going on that long journey, and I'm I'm thinking, I'm expecting to get people, Tanzanians and others, to make a journey and adopt a people group and continue to go to them this is the stupidest thing i've ever heard who's going to do this and i, get, I wake up the next morning ready to launch a sort of a new initiative in an unreached people full of self-doubt and i'm with a friend of mine net esther esther's a prayer warrior she's praying for me i go outside under the tree i'm praying i come back in she says gina I was coming with you on this trip thinking, "Oh, I just wish I could help Gina. I have nothing, I have no money, I can do nothing." God says, "You can pray." So she gets down and prays, and she says, "The Lord says to tell you, Esther 104, Ezra 104." She says, "I don't know what it says, but you better read it." So Ezra 10:4 says, "Rise up. This matter is in your hands. We will support you, so take courage and do it. Now, how do you think that made me feel? I'm thinking, this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. And then the word of the Lord comes through a lady praying, and it's the exact opposite. He's like, you can do this. People will come. This matter is in your hands. Do it. And then when I went to the doctoral program, I'm having the same self-doubt. And the man comes to do prophetic ministry at my house. My friend invited him. He's doing ministry. You know how people do prophetic ministry, but they're talking? They're not really like, "Now I prophesy. He just talked prophetically. So he gets to me, he says, well, I don't know what you do, I don't, I don't really know anything about you, but the whole time I've been sitting here, I see Ezra 10:4 sitting over your head. He says, uh, I don't know, do you know what it means? I said, yes, I quoted it to him. So two times, I mean, the two times I've been so sure that this is a stupid idea, the Lord has brought this verse. And so I just say to you, also, I want to tell you, somebody here needs to rise up. Somebody needs to pray and get clarity. Somebody needs... But there's somebody within a group this size that you're already at a point where you need to rise up, take courage, the matter is in your hands, and these people here will support you. So go do the thing. So we're going to pray for that. You can come on up, Pastor, and we're going to close here, but... um, Yeah. We can have the prayer team come up too. I know I didn't get into much of my message but i think we had a message anyway so i do i do believe i'm not kidding like i'm not just trying to be excited i believe this was the point and i'm asking you to take seriously if the lord is talking to you right now so let's you can close and then we'll go into some prayer
1: all right you want awesome thank you gina that's good stuff
0: huh?
1: i mean how many of you have ever felt something like that where you're you're kind of thinking maybe god's telling me to do this or i want to do that but You've been afraid or reluctant or something. Uh, I just want to... What we're going to open the altar for, I'll, I'll pray, dismiss. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. But uh, the altar will be open this morning. If you've ever felt any even little bit of that fear or that reluctance or I can't do this, my gift's not good enough, I want you to come get prayer this morning. Just just let God come blast that stuff off of you and give you that confidence and that courage in your heart. And it, it doesn't have to be something... Because we... We kind of rank things like, oh, going to Africa. Well, of course we need prayer for that. But there's little things every day in our lives that come up that God's speaking to us, asking us to do. And sometimes we just need somebody to stand with us to give us the courage to say, yes, you can do it. And it it may be you might think it's small. Don't think it's small and just go out the door. Oh, well. God can't do anything with that or that's not important it is important if you're feeling that urge, it's God speaking to you because he's here and wants wants you to receive from him today so let's go ahead and stand thank you Lord I'm just going to pray and bless you and uh, like I said you'll be free to go if you want to go but if God's tugging on your heart in any way, shape or form please come up and get ministry this morning Uh, just let him encourage you Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for your people this morning. Thank you for every heart in this room that you have called us to yourself. You've given us gifts. You've put things and desires inside of us. Lord, we see this morning even that these things come from your hands, that you have poured them out in our hearts and sometimes Lord don't let us stay in that place Where we're confused or we're afraid Or we don't know what to do Or how to value what you've given us Lord stir us this morning Stir us this morning With the thought again That you are a giver You are the giver of good and perfect gifts That you don't, you don't Give useless things You don't give garbage But you give things of value That we can steward and use For your kingdom and for your glory God, I bless your people this morning. God, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy, saturating our lives and following us everywhere that we go all the days of our lives. Continue to watch over every person here. Continue to use us for what you want to see come to forth, forth in the earth. I just bless your people now in Jesus' name.